Good to be here today worshiping the Lord with my church family. Looking forward to eventually join once we get through the new member class. But it's a pleasure to come here to worship with this group of believers. Uh, there's something going on here that is not going on in a lot of other churches. And so I know we cherish the opportunity to gather together how we're edified, lifted up, challenged, rebuked, corrected at times. But uh, God is moving at Grace View. And I appreciate our dear pastor, his wife, and family. Uh, they're obviously of the Lord. God is using them and other leaders in our church. And I praise the Lord for that. It's good to be in the pulpit today preaching the Word. You probably don't see me here very often because I'm off preaching somewhere else. Uh, you know, even though I've retired from full-time pastoring, that call, that fire is still felt in my bones. So, uh, you know, I'm a terrible church member <laughs> since I'm off preaching when the opportunity avails. So if you see me here, you know I... Obviously, you didn't have opportunity to preach anywhere, and that's fine because I need to be fed and challenged just like everywhere else, and I appreciate our pastor's faithfulness to the preaching of God's Word. If you will now, take your copy of the Bible, God's Holy Word, or you may want to look it up on your cell phone, however, and turn to Psalm 118. Psalm 118. If you're there and start kind of looking around as to what goes before Psalm 118 and what comes after Psalm 118, you'll notice that Psalm 118 is sandwiched between the shortest psalm, Psalm 117, and the longest psalm, Psalm 119. So here we have Psalm 118. More importantly, this particular psalm is one of the six Hallel Psalms. It's the last one. Now, we're familiar with that word Hallel because it means simply to praise. Now, of course, we use it in the term we often uh, say, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. So Psalm 118 is the last of the Hallel songs. In fact, many scholars believe that Psalm 118 is likely the psalm that Jesus and his disciples sang at the Last Supper, just before they left the upper room. Listen to Matthew 26, 30. As it tells us, and when they, that is Jesus and the eleven disciples by now, had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. No doubt they are on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. So this particular psalm uh, obviously has a place and is used at times in festivals such as the Lord Jesus, you know, they are in the upper room on that Thursday evening eating of the Passover meal. Uh, 
And uh, it's used in that type of setting. Perhaps this day refers to a festival day or a day of deliverance. Um, you know, there's debate. There is not complete certainty what this day refers to. And that's why I'm going to take a little liberty with the term this day. Because what he says here in verse 18 is something that applies not just to special Jewish festival days. And of course like the Passover day and meal and so forth. But it can also apply to each and every day that we live. With this in mind, I'm preaching on the subject today, the blessing of this day. Now what Psalm 118 will help us to do is to refresh us or help us or encourage us to view how we should look upon each day that God gives us. So I'm preaching on the subject, the blessing of this day. Let me read it, and then we'll pray. Psalm 118, verse 24. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. With that being said, let us pray. Father, we're grateful we can assemble in this place to worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you for the opportunity to express from our hearts the worship that you deserve and are worthy of. And we thank you for the help of your spirit, because without him, we couldn't really please you in worship. Thank you for his presence and his ministering, helping, assisting us. And as we come to this time so that you can speak to us from your word, for you've been hearing from our hearts. Now we want to hear from your heart. Guide us, challenge us, challenge us to grow in our faith and to grow in your word, its knowledge and understanding, as well as application. So I, the messenger, and the people come together now, and we yield ourselves to you, Fill our hearts and minds and challenge us. Help us to look upon this day according to your word. In Jesus' name, and everybody in the house said, Amen. Amen. One day, Ed asked his friend John this question. Can you name the five days of the week without naming them Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday? John replied, no, of course not. Can you? And of course, uh, Ed said, sure I can. So then he started. He said, today, day before yesterday, yesterday, tomorrow, and the next day. That was clever on Ed's part. So he named every day of the week without naming them or calling them by their usual names. Well, we come today to this particular psalm and verse where the psalmist makes reference to this day. This day. And like I said, since 
what he says about this day really is true about each and every day. That's the way I'm going to take this day this morning and preach it as this day. Meaning, of course, today. Because he's referring to a day where he is saying this day and not that day. He's not saying that was the day, that is like it was in the past, or that will be the day, but this day. So it's likely that he's referring to the day in which he was living in at the time. And it may have been a a day of festivities um, or whatever. But nonetheless, it's today, this day, the Lord has made. So when we think about today, someone has said this, today is the only day you have. Now, yesterday, we had in our possession, but we no longer have that day in our possession. It's gone, isn't it? It's over with. And of course, we can't claim tomorrow yet because it hasn't been made yet. And so, but we have today, this day. Now, having said that, that doesn't mean that we are to forget about the days of our past. There are a lot of things in our past that we need to remember. And uh, things that are precious to us. And lessons we've learned from the past and so forth. And of course, there are certain events uh, like uh, the day of our births and anniversaries. And one thing and another, you know, we want to hold on to. Uh, But as far as this day... It's emphasizing the importance of today. And of course, the future, you know. It doesn't mean that we are to forget about the future. We are to make tentative plans for the future. Uh, And so, you know, it's not saying uh, forget the, the past and don't plan for the future. But we do need to give adequate focus to today. Because what I find, in at least the, the tendency with me, is to neglect the importance that this day brings to me. The opportunity that God gives me by giving me this day. You know, it's so easy, if we're not careful, to take, advantage, or take for granted this day. And so we need to see each and every day. Even though we may struggle with monotony some days, it being humdrum, it not being so exciting, and looking forward to the next day and this type of thing. We need to remember that God has purpose for this day, or He would not have given it to us in the first place. And so it's up to us, and especially believers, It's important for you and I to realize that there's purpose for this day. And since God has given this day purpose, that means that we can find purpose for this day. God has a purpose for everything He does. Perhaps that's why the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5 verse 16, making the best use of the time. Literally, that uh, verse says this, 
uh, it says redeem the time or buy up the time, which he's emphasizing the importance of taking advantage of the opportunity of time we have and to use it, not to necessarily spend it on ourselves, but to use it as way in God intended us to use the time he's given us. See, we think oftentimes, and we as believers follow the world in this, and we shouldn't, that uh, the time we have on earth is my time. My time. It's my life. I'll use it the way I want to. That's the way the world lives. But that's not the way believers are to live. We are to view day, the days that are given to us as gifts from God. Because that's exactly what they are. In fact, Moses, the man of God who wrote Psalm 90, says in verse 12, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Now, if we follow Moses' advice there, which is inspired advice, then what that means is that we ought to leave this world a lot wiser than when we came into this world. We shouldn't, die, especially as believers, die as fools, right? I mean, we are to uh, seek wisdom uh, and to... There's, there's wisdom to be gained uh, in living each day for the Lord. So how should God's people view each day? How should God's people view each day? Answer, as a gift from God. Because that's really what it is. At our kitchen sink, my wife has placed um, a soap dispenser bottle made of glass, and uh, it's got a, an inscription on the outside. And it says that every day is a gift from God. And that's so true. And so you and I, rather than take it for granted, uh, view it as a gift from God, and that He has a reason and purpose for giving us each and every day that we have. I want us to look at two things because this particular verse, Psalm 118 in 24, divides into two parts. First of all, let's look at the reminders about this day. What I'm about to share with you from this verse is not necessarily new, but it is still significant. This is a, a way of God's Word reminding us about this day and why this day is important and should be viewed as such. And so we're going to look at this day. God's Word says here that God has created this day. Now, like I said, that's simple, elementary as far as things, basic things, the ABCs of Scripture, of the Christian life. We ought to know that. But do we practice it? Do we live like this day is created by God? Or do we view this day like 
The unbelievers view each and every day. So this day, today, is created by God. That's why he declares, this is the day the Lord has made. This is the day the Lord has made. Now, viewing this day only from a scientific perspective is a very narrow view of this day. If you let the evolutionist and those who view everything just from a scientific perspective, you're not going to be able to view this day that we have as being a day that is special, that is given to us by God. There's more, in fact, there's more to meeting the eye uh, about this day than looking at it from the perspective of science. Now, I'm not down on science. Science has its place. That is true science. But you know as well as I do, like there's fake news, there's fake science. Especially when they get into interpreting um, you know, perhaps the age of the earth, or even interpreting the origin of the universe. You know, there is where the, they, their science really stops. And they begin to talking about, you know, uh, the Big Bang and matter being uh, already created and so forth. But uh, if we look at this day that we have... Merely from a scientific perspective, we're going to have a very limited view of the day in which we live. God's people are a people of faith. You know, science can only take us so far. But God's Word takes us further. It takes us. It takes us back to the beginning in Genesis, right? And also the psalmist here. Helps us to see that there's more to uh, this day than science can tell us about. And like I said, science has its place, true science. But you think about it in this instance, you know, from a scientific perspective. And science has been very helpful in giving us knowledge, understanding about, say, our solar system, uh, for instance. You know, uh, uh, the earth orbits around the sun. It takes one entire year to make one orbit. And within that one orbit, 365 days are made. Of course, while it's moving in orbit, the earth we know is rotating on its axis I didn't say atlas, I said axis. And um, so it's turning and one rotation, full rotation of the earth, we know makes a 24-hour period, which consists of day and night. And so, you know, science has helped us to understand this, uh, you know, that the earth obviously is round and not flat 
or square or rectangular and so forth. So science has its place. But if you just view how this day was brought to us from creation's involvement, you know, it will, a day is made by rotating around the earth and, and the earth are rotating around the sun and the earth, uh, you know, rotating on an axis. Uh, you know, it leaves you kind of empty, leaves you high and dry. Uh, but there's more to making this day than orbiting the sun and rotating on its axis. In fact, the, the psalmist says here, this is the day the Lord has made. That, my friends, is where science stops and where Scripture picks up. You know, this is the word of faith. We are to believe God and to believe His Word. And so, faith in God and His Word can take us further than science. Of course, uh, you can't see God as you can see the earth and the sun, you know. But nonetheless, God is involved in creating this day. In fact, the earth wouldn't rotate. It surely wouldn't orbit around the sun without the power of God. You know, where does gravity get its power? We know it's a force. Well, you know, it gets its power from God. Or gravity wouldn't have any force. And so it is about everything that's created. You know, sometimes we can have a limited view that creation is created itself, you know. And that, that the way the sun or the sun and the earth relate to, uh, um, in our solar system, that that's how days are created. Well, it's obvious that they're part of the process. But who's really running the show? Who is really empowering the process? Who established it? You know, sometimes uh, people will say, well, you know, God created everything, set everything up, and then he backed away from it. That is mere and pure deism. But the truth is, God is still actively involved in creating the days which you and I live as well. It's easy to see him involved in the first seven days in Genesis 1. It seems like he's more personally involved there than, he does, than it does in the creation of the days that you and I have. But there's something to be said that, you know, what God creates, he sustains. And so he's established a system or a pattern. And so, you know, the way he created the first seven days was more direct than the way he creates today. But then again, they are just as much from God because God has established the system how days are created. He empowers that system. He's, he uses these things as secondary causes, okay? He's the first cause. He is the, what causes it, causes it all to work. And they are directed by his mind, his purpose, his will, and of course created by his power. 
Sometimes we think when it says here, the Lord is made, we may not give much thought as to what God, the psalmist, is talking about. Just because somebody uses the term God doesn't mean that they believe in the God of the Bible. We need to make sure now, what God are you referring to? Does he have a face or not? Yeah. How much do you know about this God? Is he the God of the Bible? Obviously, the psalmist ties the Lord here to the God of the Bible. When God first reveals himself, he reveals himself as Elohim because he is the strong one and he created the heavens and the earth out of nothing just by speaking them into existence. Well, he sustains them the same way today. He sustains each and every day we have. You remember Jesus, uh, he's the cosmic Christ. And so he was before all things, that is, all created things. And he's holding all things together. He keeps planets in their orbits. He keeps the earth rotating on its axis and a lot more in his sustaining power. And so Jesus obviously is involved, but so is the Holy Spirit and God the Father. When it says the Lord here, <coughs> the psalmist is referring to a very special name of God. Perhaps your translation is like mine, where Lord is given, translated in all capital letters. And there's reason for that because the translators want us to know that the particular name that is being used here is the name Yahweh, or the old name referred to by many, Jehovah. In other words, it's the same name that God revealed to Moses at the burning bush. I am who I am. So when we say the Lord, this is the day the Lord has made, now we're pinpointing as to uh, what God created and is being given the credit here for creating each and every day we have. It's the Lord. It's the great I am. And when God refers to himself as I am, he's really emphasizing that he is the self-existent one. Uh, he doesn't depend on anything outside of himself for his existence. He's from everlasting to everlasting. God has always been and he will always be. But it also indicates when he says I am who I am. That he doesn't need anything outside of himself. God doesn't need us. He doesn't need the angels. But he's thankfully has graciously chosen the angels and us to take part in his service. But God is self-sufficient. He needs nothing outside of himself. And so when you think about who the Lord is, 
the great I am, and of course Jesus referred to himself as that many times, especially in the Gospel of John. So we know that the Lord here involves really the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. John 1 uh, obviously mentions Christ's involvement, that he is in the beginning, was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and there's nothing made that without him that is made. So everything is made by the Lord. And of course, we're talking about these days in which you and I have. So each and every day uh, is special in the sense that they are made by God and they're given to us as a gift. Not to spend our days the way we want to. Paul understood the secret as to how to count your days and to not waste your days, but to use them for time and for eternity. In Philippians 1.21, he says, For to me to live is Christ. If you don't want to waste your day, waste your time, live it for the Lord Jesus Christ. Live it for the Lord Jesus Christ. So here, the psalmist is saying, this is the day the Lord has made. Haven't you felt that sometimes, you know, there is something divine about this day? And it is. Not that it's God, but it's been created by God. But also this day is, um, as we see, uh, at the present is a very special day. A. A. Milne wrote, Yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. That's why we call it the present. So here we have the present day, which is a gift from the Lord. Of course, this leads us now to a second reminder about this day. And that this day is controlled by God. You don't read that directly in the text, but I think it's assumed. Because see, when, um, when uh, God doesn't create just for the sake of creating, He always creates with a purpose. And so, to ensure that His purpose comes to pass and is fulfilled, he controls each and every day. So God is sovereign. God is control, in control of every day. Now, in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, we have where the four living creatures are offering praise to God. And the 24 elders... They chime in cast, as they're casting their crowns before the throne. They're saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. And by your will they existed and were created. Now, the word will can also be placed with by your purpose, or by your purpose or will, they existed and were created. 
Therefore, everything that God creates, He creates according to His will or according to His purpose. So God, what He creates, He not only sustains, He controls. That brings in God's sovereignty. That God is, is in control of all His creation. A lot of times, our faith is challenged and even stretched because especially of the evil that's in each and every day and um, the experiences that we have and how it stretches our faith causes us to struggle in believing in the sovereignty of God or not. Well, thank God that He is in control of every day. If He didn't, then this day may or may not have purpose. But the fact that He's in control of it, He's going to ensure that His purpose is fulfilled. In fact, listen to what Isaiah 46 verses 9 and 10 say. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Not most of my good pleasure, that is purpose, but all of my good pleasure. And like I said before, to ensure that his purpose is fully accomplished. He is in complete control of all His creation. So God has a purpose for this day. And of course, for us to find out what the purpose of this day is, for us, where do we fit in? We must seek Him through Jesus Christ. It's through a saving faith in Christ that we can discover the purpose of our lives. Before I got saved, I was a very rowdy, sinful teenager, especially in my latter uh, teens. I remember one night, and uh, I'm ashamed of this, but for sake of illustration, I was smoking some weed. And I remember saying to a friend there sitting beside me, I finally found what I was looking for. Well, I realized later that wasn't where I really find life and purpose. But I've reflected back on my statement since then a number of times. Unknowing to me, I was on a quest. And that I was searching for purpose. Where I would fit into life. I remember, remember after I got saved, I came across a little tract that said, How to Have a Full and Meaningful Life. That spoke to me because that's what I was looking for when I was living for myself. I thought that it was up to me to produce a full and meaningful life. But the truth is, I used my teenage years, I wasted them, spent them on myself. I didn't really find true meaning 
and purpose. Not until I met Jesus Christ as my Savior. And that's when life come together for me. That's when I felt like, now, I am satisfied. I have what my heart has yearned and longed for and sought for and did not realize it before. Because see, people are blinded as to where you really find the purpose of life and where the meaning of life really comes from. It comes from God who has created this day and the fact that He controls this day. There's purpose and meaning, and thank God that He continues to control each day. That means each day, even though we wake up, may not feel like it's going to be a great day. Not much going on today, but the purpose of God runs right through that day. The will of God for my life runs right through this day. And I am to walk with Him throughout this day. And in so doing, obviously, living out that purpose uh, for the day that the Lord has given us. So in the end, you can think about it this way. God is going to fulfill His purpose. And He's going to do so regardless of what we do. But if we want to get in on the meaningfulness and the significance of living this day with a purpose, then we must live it with God in a relationship with the Lord. For if we want to find each day rich in meaning and purpose, we must submit daily to His will. It's to our benefit as well as to God's glory. You know, why is happiness so elusive? Because God did not put us here. Uh, the ultimate goal or purpose is not so that we'll be happy. No, we're here to glorify Him. Make Him happy. And by making God happy, we fulfill our purpose. And of course, we're happy beyond description in our hearts and in our soul. Because it's, we focus on ha happiness, it's elusive. It escapes our grasp. But when we focus on pleasing the Lord, then by happiness is a byproduct of pleasing the Lord, living according to His will. You know, some people live for the American dream. I, I'm grateful for the blessings that our country, that God uses to bless me and others with. But I'm not to live for the American dream. And I'm not to spend uh, my time on myself, even though we are to spend time with family and do things that we enjoy and like. But those things that we enjoy and like must also be pleasing to the Father. And so when you think about the reminders, they are, again, God has created this day and the fact that He controls this day. 
quickly, I call your attention to the response to this day. We've seen the reminders of this day. They're very simple. Nothing new we've learned there. But hopefully it's made a deeper impression and will affect our attitude because that's what we get into now in the second part of this verse. How should we respond to this day that God has created and He has given us and is in control of? Well, the psalmist tells us here, we're to rejoice and be glad in it. We're not to get up and say, oh no, not another day. (laughs) But keeping our perspective, which is a faith perspective, but it's based upon, this faith perspective is based upon God's word and God's truth. We are to view each day as gifts from God. And the flowing out of that conviction should be rejoice and be glad. I think there's a note of gratitude there too in the rejoicing. Being thankful that God you've given me another day. I don't deserve it, but you've given me this day. And out of gratitude, I'm going to give it to you for you to work your will through my life. Now, this rejoicing uh, and being glad. Some people think, well, that refers to feelings. No, um, it's not based on feeling nor mood or circumstances. Uh, Whether we feel like rejoicing and being glad, we're still to rejoice and be glad. If we're not in the mood to rejoice and be glad, guess what? We are to rejoice and be glad. So rejoice and be glad. Is it about emotion? Now, I'm not against feeling good. Don't get me wrong. But we are not to walk by sight, and feelings is a form of sight. And we are not to live or let our mood control our behavior. That's where the Holy Spirit can help us, right? By the way, He does enable us to have self-control, to get control of our emotions, get control of our moods. No wonder Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. And no wonder he says, walk in the Spirit and not carry out the desires of the flesh. So this rejoicing, see, is not based on feeling or mood or even circumstances. See, it's easy to rejoice, is it not, in good times? And there's nothing wrong in rejoicing in good times. But what about the bad times? You know, they're hard days, difficult days, days in which people hurt uh, and receive bad news, days of sorrow and woe, as well as days of uh, joy and uh, so forth. So what about those days? You know, do we let our circumstances determine how we're going to view this day? If we're not careful, we will. You know, it doesn't mean that to rejoice in it doesn't mean we're not to be realistic. We are to face reality and to look at life realistically. 
But we need to keep in mind, say, well, God created this day. He's in control of it. So therefore, he has a purpose for this. I don't know how this fits into his purpose. It's sort of like a, a knot hole in the fence. You know, when you're trying to look at the parade that's passing by. You can only see a certain amount of it. You can't see the whole parade. Like you could maybe in a helicopter. See the start and the finish. So you're looking through this knot hole and trying to see, well, what's the relationship of all this? How does it all relate? Or like maybe a puzzle piece, for example. One day, say, is one piece of the 500-piece puzzle. You say, now, where does this fit in? How does this make sense? Well, you know, oftentimes we won't know uh, what contribution this day makes to the entire plan until, or the puzzle until we finish the puzzle. Oh, I can see how this part of the puzzle contributes to the overall puzzle. And it's sort of like making a blanket, you know. You, uh, from, I never made one, uh, but people that have, you know, they start sewing these uh uh, certain squares or whatever they do, or triangles, or however they make a blanket. And uh, they have all these different pieces, and then they start putting all these pieces together into a blanket. When you first see them starting out, instead of putting it all together, you see, you know, now, you're going to make a blanket out of that? You know. But then when it's put all together, oh, that's where that fits into the overall quilt or blanket. Romans 8, 28, right? For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And we do know uh, that, you know, this day is a puzzle piece. And God's going to cause all these days that He's given us to work together for His purpose. And we know that the purpose He has for us is to conform us to the image and likeness of Jesus. How in the world is God going to use this day to make me more like Jesus? That's the question. And that's where we have to trust Him. So when it says rejoice and be glad, that's speaking more about attitude. It's about the attitude that we are to have about this day. And it's an attitude based upon God's Word. Belief in God's Word. And trusting what God's Word says. That word belief can be a little tricky sometimes. Because on one hand, believe means I accept the truth of that statement. I assent that that's true. But there's another element to, to believe, and that is trust. Since I believe God, is, God creates every day and controls every day, I believe that and I'm going to trust Him. That He knows more than I do what He's up to in this day. 
You know that song where it says, uh, um, where about trusting God and when you can't follow his hand, you trust his heart. And that's the, the, the element of faith. To rejoice and be glad in each and every day, we must trust him. It boils down to that. Sometimes we forget that the Christian life is a life that is lived by faith. It's lived by faith. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 tells us, For we walk or live by faith, not by sight. Now, it's not blind faith. It's not a leap into the dark. We know faith has an object, and it's God and His Word. And so we're, it's, we're believing that God is telling us the truth in His Word about how this day really comes, came about, and that He's in control of it, even though on our level it may look like it's out of control. In fact, if you spend much time um, thinking about Washington, D.C., uh, you feel like that's Satan's capital, you know, <laughs> the way things have been going on. But God is in control of all things. And therefore, this day, being made by the Lord, what's the proper response? Is to rejoice and be glad in it. It's an attitude of joy. In fact, um, you may be surprised that in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 and 12, Jesus uses some of this same phraseology. Listen. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So it's not a matter of feeling, uh, uh, you know, about rejoicing. It's about the attitude, the optimism that our faith and trust in God uh, uh, brings to our outlook on our day. And our situation and circumstances that we get a sense of, of, yes, this is a day to rejoice and be glad in it. I don't know how this day is going to end. I don't know how, what's going to, uh, you know, come out in this day. But I'm going to trust God. And with His grace and help, do as His Word says, rejoice and be glad in it. In it, those rainy days, those Mondays, um, those difficult, struggling days, when life doesn't seem to be all that exciting and thrilling to live, God has purpose for those days. And we still have reason to rejoice because, see, He created and controls each and every day. So, my friend, if you do not know Christ as your Savior, you don't know how to use this day, how to truly 
view it how God wants you to see this day. But you can by turning from your sins and trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. See, God has given you opportunity today to trust His Son to save you from your sins. Listen to 2 Corinthians 6.2 Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Notice God's Word says now. Now twice. Behold twice. Look, look. Wants to get our attention. Hey, look. Now is the day of salvation. Don't think about getting saved tomorrow. You're not promised tomorrow. In fact, we're not promised to finish this day out. But we have this moment. And we can buy up or we can redeem, seize this moment. And trust Christ as our Lord and Savior. See, God will never tell you, wait and get saved tomorrow. The Holy Spirit doesn't use the word tomorrow. He uses the word today. For example, Hebrews 4, 7, a quote out of one of the Psalms. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. If you'd like to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, by turning from your sins, that means you have to acknowledge, I've sinned against the holy God. I deserve eternal punishment. But then, there's opportunity to be saved from sin, from guilt, from everlasting punishment. Because in the death of Jesus, we see where he's paid the penalty. He's taken upon himself the punishment for our sin on the cross. And thankfully, God validates his death by raising him from the dead. And he's alive forevermore. And he's able to save you today. So if you're willing to trust Christ by turning from your sin and coming to him, he'll save you today. And we who are believers, we need to make some attitude adjustments. Years ago, in pastoring in one of the churches I did, I went to youth camp with a group of our youth. And one of the things that you'd hear all throughout that week, uh, some of the staff would yell out, attitude check, attitude check. And of course, it was to cause us to think about our attitude. And of course, the proper response was, praise the Lord. That was the kind of attitude our camp staff was looking for. Well, we as believers need to take an attitude check and see how we view this day. Do we view it as the way the Scripture teaches us to view it? Is that our perspective? Or, if, you know, God will take us from where we're at and grow us. But we must be willing to yield our hearts and lives to Him. And commit to His will daily and trust Him. For in so doing, you know, I found out the closer I get to God, it affects how I view His creation. Even the creation of this day. I'm going to ask you to bow with me. Before I pray, I want to encourage you that if you don't know Christ as your Savior, 
If you'd like to talk with Pastor Jeff or one of the elders or some other leader in the church, I encourage you to seek them out and do so. If I can be of help, please let me know. I'd be more than happy to assist you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We know it's a simple word, but it has challenging application. Help us in Jesus' name to live this day for your glory. Because we know, Lord, when we live it for your glory, we live it full of meaning and with purpose. And we know that we are fulfilling what you created us for. So thank you, Father, for this day. May we use it for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.